Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are once again diving deep into the law and business of video games after this particular video was delayed for one day after the big Supreme Court decision that we had to discuss yesterday. But over the weekend, there were significant rumors around the world of video gaming as AT&T, the parent company of Time Warner, found itself the subject of an anonymously sourced article talking about the fact that it was apparently shopping its WB Games assets. That article, which appeared last Friday, was in CNBC and said, AT&T seeks sale for Warner Gaming Unit could fetch about $4 billion, sources say. But if you are familiar with virtual legality, you know that the end of that headline, the sources say, is where we always start to get a bit of cold feet. That sources say means that anonymous folks have tipped off this reporter that something is happening and we can't evaluate for ourselves what position those anonymous sources were in, what kind of tilt or bias they might have. They might have leaked this information to help encourage the sale. They might have leaked this information to help stop the sale at those numbers. We don't know. Or somebody could just be making up the entirety of this sale, and it's all just hot air. That being said, we do have this article. People did respond. This was reported on in various places across the gaming internet. And the crux of the article is as follows. AT&T is discussing a sale of its Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment Gaming Division in a deal that could fetch about $4 billion, according to people, quote-unquote, familiar with the matter. Now, there are three suitors that are named in this article. Take-Two Interactive, Electronic Arts, and Activision Blizzard have all quote-unquote expressed interest in buying the gaming division. Said the people who ask not to be named because the discussions are private, no deal is assured or imminent, two of the people said. So this is multiple sources because two of the people say that no deal is assured or imminent, but they aren't willing to go on the record because this is a massive amount of money. This is a breach of confidentiality. This is all sorts of problems for whomever on whatever side is leaking out this information. And it certainly seems more likely to be somebody on the Warner Brothers, AT&T side of things. Now, why are they even contemplating this sale? Well, that's because of this at the bottom. AT&T acquired Time Warner for $109 billion in a deal that closed two years ago and currently has about $165 billion in debt. So they're looking to divest. They're looking to get rid of these assets. They're looking to clean up their books. And yeah, $4 billion is a drop in the pond of $165 billion in debt. But if they aren't interested in interactive gaming, it makes a lot of sense. Now, the other part of this story, which a lot of people aren't talking about, is this last sentence. No deal is assured or imminent, two of the people said, means that we aren't even at the auction step. We aren't even really at the term sheet step. Now, I'm a mergers and acquisitions lawyer. I'm a corporate lawyer by trade. So if you haven't seen one of these, when you have a merger, when you have a big corporate transaction, you first agree on the details of the economics. What stock is going where? How much money is going places? Who's getting hired? Who's getting fired? What the combined entity looks like? Maybe you're buying the assets. Maybe you're buying the stock. All of this has to be decided before a term sheet is entered into. And then once that term sheet is entered into, the lawyers take over and everything proceeds from there for months and months, if not years, when we're talking about billions of dollars. So when they say no deal is assured or imminent, I read that as a lawyer, as a corporate lawyer, and I say nothing is even close. Three parties picked up the phone and said, yeah, we might be interested if the terms are right. And that's as far as things have gotten. 
or as MarketWatch reported with the various stock percentages here, all three are interested in the gaming division. According to unidentified sources close to the matter, Warner Brothers carries such titles as Harry Potter, Mortal Kombat, Game of Thrones, etc. And yeah, they might be interested if the terms are right, but we don't even know what those terms might be. So we're left with a story that says, sources tell us that it might be sold. Here are the three suitors that could potentially buy it. And I read it as probably Warner Brothers and AT&T trying to drum up interest in this asset that they want sold. Because if we actually go down and we look at MarketWatch, we can see a lot of things. We can see that these companies in particular, we got Take-Two here with a market cap of $15 billion, which means that of all the shares that it has outstanding, if you multiply that by the share price, you can kind of find out what the market thinks this company is valued at right now. And in order to buy something worth $4 billion, you'd effectively have to give away a third of your company, either in stock or in cash or in taking on debt, whatever that might be. A $15 billion market cap is not usually the kind of company you see just randomly acquiring a $4 billion asset that may or may not be performing on the books of AT&T. Now, Electronic Arts is a little bit of a different story. They've got 35 billion dollars in market cap. They're probably a little bit better positioned to make that purchase. And of course, the big daddy in the room, Activision, has $55 billion in market cap. They could easily spend $4 billion and not really worry about it. And certainly if this is actually happening and we look at the various portfolios of the companies, I look at Activision and say, yeah, they basically only have Blizzard properties and Call of Duty right now. It might not be the worst thing in the world to diversify and to put this all into place at Activision, at Activision Blizzard slash Warner, and actually have some more interests, more properties, more diversity in their portfolio. If this were actually happening, and it might, we just don't have enough to go on right now, Activision is, in my mind, the most likely place for this to end up. But it's worth noting that market wash, brokers, rumors, all these things abound in various marketplaces. And we only have to go back to last year to see that the last time something like this happened in the gaming space was when MarketWatch reported after a analyst reported that Take-Two Interactive Software shares jumped up 7% in October of 2018. So actually a little bit more than a year ago. As Joel Kalina, head of technology and media trading at Wedbush, referenced rumors about a potential takeover from Sony Corp. Sony was also plus 2% in that note to the clients. So this kind of thing happens a lot. And when you read headlines, when you look at them and say, oh, Warner Brothers games could be for sale. It absolutely could be. I will tell you right now, as a corporate attorney, companies are always taking calls from other companies. They are always evaluating whether a different company is undervalued by the market and is a good purchasing opportunity, whether they have too much debt, whether they have too much cash, whether an acquisition makes sense or a divestment. This is always happening. This is honest to God why these folks in the C-level suites get paid the big bucks. Because if they screw it up, they cost their company a fortune. And if they succeed, well, then you're Disney and you bought Marvel and then you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it doesn't mean it's happening. We are still at the rumor stage. Worse, when you're looking at something like Warner Brothers Games, it's very difficult to evaluate what it is that they actually have. Right? We're all familiar with the Warner Brothers games kind of concept and portfolio because we know Mortal Kombat. They've got the Lego movie game out here. They've got certain other things that they do. But if you really look closely, you can see what I'm getting at. Warner Brothers most specifically 
in licenses other people's intellectual property and makes video games out of them. You see Lego, you see Marvel, you see Harry Potter, you see Middle Earth, you see all of these things that Warner Brothers doesn't own that they have to go and they have to license with a third party. That third party says, yep, you can use Middle Earth. Yep, you can use Harry Potter. You can make this game out of these things. Or in the case of Harry Potter, as part of the filmic license, whatever that winds up looking like, between the J.K. Rowling Trust or whoever is her contract party and Warner Brothers, probably in collaboration with their theater group. But they in-license all of this stuff. So when we see something like in Deadline that comes from six years ago now that says that Warner Brothers has put together a Harry Potter global development team, the studio which has been behind the franchise from the start way back in 2001 has now created a dedicated team to oversee its ongoing relationship with Potter creator J.K. Rowling and to use this group to make things like digital interactive media on phones and consoles then you understand that Warner Brothers always and forever is interacting with a third party that is the genesis, the creator, the foundation of their intellectual property, and that tends to create difficulties. If we look at their actual portfolio here, we see their subsidiaries, Avalanche, Monolith, NetherRealm, Portkey, Rocksteady, TT Games, and then we go and we can see that all of these are related to in-licensed intellectual property. Not this one so much because Avalanche Software was primarily based around Disney Infinity and I believe is currently supporting their efforts right now. But even then, they worked on Disney things. They worked on things that had licensed properties, movie-related things. Monolith is currently making the Middle Earth series. Now, who knows what they're making right now? The last game was in 2017. But they have in the past made Gotham City, Middle Earth, Middle Earth, Middle Earth. We look at NetherRealm, which is probably the crown jewel in terms of non-in-licensed goods, and they most recently made Mortal Kombat, but two years before that, they made Injustice, which was, of course, in-licensed from DC Comics. Portkey Games in-licensed in everything. It's Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, and Rocksteady, as we are all familiar with, in-licenses that DC right to Batman with respect to Asylum City, Night, and VR, and probably whatever they've got next. Similarly, TT Games makes the Traveler Tales Legos games, and those are multiply in license, right? Those are Legos. That's Lego licensing something from Marvel. That's both of them licensing something to TT, which is licensing something to Warner Brothers. All this good stuff. And you might say, Rick, well, what does it matter, right? If Warner Brothers has all those rights, then Warner Brothers can sell all those rights. And unfortunately, that's just not the way that intellectual property rights work. You probably saw this or remember seeing it when we had all the trouble with Telltale Games. And one of the questions was, why are some of these things staying up? Why are some of them going down? And the answer was, because almost everything that Telltale made was in-licensed. They made a Game of Thrones game. They made a Tales from the Borderlands game. They made a Batman game. It all relied on licenses from another party. So when they went bankrupt, when they were trying to figure out what the value of their assets was, they were having a lot of trouble because all these third parties needed to come to the table. And the reason for that is when you in-license intellectual property, and I've brought up a form from the Edgar database, if you're ever interested in just randomly looking at legal forms, like I know I am, you can go on to Edgar, which is a database maintained by the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC in the United States, and every public company has to file their important agreements uh, with the SEC and Edgar. So you can look up whatever you want to look up. 
As an example, I just brought up a trademark license agreement. This is one party licensing the right to use their trademark to another party. You often see these kinds of relationships in a kind of franchise or franchisee setting where you just want to be able to put up the trade dress, look like another party, and so you license in their trademark. And you get all this good stuff, you get all this legal language, but one thing that you always, always, always get is what happens when the party that in licensed that intellectual property has a change of control, legal term of art. Also, you might see it as change in control. And this particular document does what I see most often with respect to intellectual property licenses. This agreement may be terminated by licensor, that's the party giving the license out, upon 90 days prior written notice to licensees at any time after a change in control of a licensee. Let's say that another way. If Warner Brothers, the licensee here, has a change in control, if all of its assets or all of its equity are suddenly owned by someone else, then the person, the entity that licensed that intellectual property to Warner Brothers Games has the right to terminate it under the provisions of this document. Now, this specific paragraph will appear in various forms and formats throughout all of the contract ecosystem of a WB Games or anybody else that you might think of in the gaming sphere. So we can't say with specificity whether any specific type of intellectual property will be cut off. And at a certain level, if somebody big, a big publisher that is in the game here, that regularly makes interactive entertainment, buys the assets, generally speaking, their lawyers go to the licensor and they say, hey, look, everything's going to be fine. We have managed a whole bunch of licenses. If you're Electronic Arts, you say, hey, look, we did Disney. We've done all this stuff for Star Wars. We can handle this. You shouldn't terminate your license, but we are going to have to renegotiate it because we can't just sit out there with a provision like this. And because of that, because of that as a kind of necessary starting point for a discussion with WB Games, I look at it, and I actually tweeted this out, as something that is very difficult in value to assess. Maybe it does have a natural value of $4 billion. But what if one of those companies takes their license away? Let's say it's DC. What happens to that value? What if two of them do? What if all of them do? Or what if none of them do? So if you are evaluating this, if you are Electronic Arts or you're Activision or, hey, if you're Take-Two and you're just selling the whole company to try to buy up WB Games because that's exactly what you want to try to do, then you look at this and say, I have to go out before I make my bid, before I sign up to something important, before I commit myself to this and figure out what the status of their licenses are. And that's a due diligence process. That's an enormously Byzantine process, a lot of overlapping rights and obligations. And chances are WB doesn't want to let potential acquirers look at all that stuff before they are otherwise engaged to be married. And before that engagement, you wind up having a catch-22. The person that potentially wants to buy you wants to see that information. You don't want to share it until they're committed. And they say they can't commit until they see that information, which is one of the reasons why intellectual property licenses have a tendency to scuttle conversations like these and why you might wind up seeing some kind of anonymous source leak the fact that, hey, this company is on the market. So that if anybody else might be otherwise interested, they can come and say, hey, these three big guys are interested. Maybe we should get our bid in because this is a hot commodity. Because maybe they're having a little bit of trouble moving this asset because of the licenses, because of the underlying contract rights related to the company. Now, there can be other reasons why something like this could slow down or even speed up that relate to potentially their financial statements, what they have on their books, their assets, what aren't their assets, their liabilities. All these other things could come into play. 
But when I looked at this as a kind of knee-jerk reaction, one, I noted that it was only a rumor. I noted that it was sourced by anonymous sources. And finally, I noted that Warner Brothers is the kind of company that I see as having a potential trouble, a difficulty for actually shopping their company because of the way they are organized. And there's nothing wrong with how they were organized to operate, but that can make it a little bit difficult to sell. This has been Virtual Legality for today. We really do talk about these kinds of things more often, whether that's Twitch versus the DMCA, the new Sony PlayStation 5, how that looks, how I think Sony is potentially failing its corporate messaging right now in June of 2020, and I hope very much that they get their sea legs under them going forth into the holiday season of 2020, and all those related kinds of news items, the business and law of pop culture, video games, movies, and television, hopefully in an educating and illuminating way. If you like this, please like, subscribe, hit bells, tell people we're here, share it on forums, share it on Reddit threads, wherever else you might find yourself. I very much appreciate your comments, your likes, and everything else. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.